Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 363 on Tuesday, the 10th of November, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be talking about carbon loopholes. We'll also be asking if one OEM's restructuring means they'll become a clothing company. And we are reminded just how you could get to the Sun Loungers first. Again, I'm very happy to say there's no follow-up. We go straight into the new news. You understand that in a couple of weeks' time, if you say that kind of thing once more, then just all of a sudden all the German courts are just going to come out with a whole barrage of stuff and we're going to have like eight follow-up articles about technical German court cases and all that. Yeah, what we're going to find stuff out is... Stuff that we love so much. ...is when the German lockdown eases first. Because yeah. <laughs> just be this tidal wave of legal nonsense for us to have to wade through. Oh. But anyway, let's go into something fun that we know that we and the listeners love, which is new car registrations, Alan. Yeah, uh, new car registrations for October were down 1.6% against 29, October 2019. Only down? Well, you say only down. You've, what we've got to remember, of course, is that October 2019, there was even more uncertainty than there is right at the moment because we were supposed to Brexit on the 31st of October and nobody had a clue what they were doing. So everybody was just sitting tight and not doing anything. So October last year, I was going to go, aha, rounding error. But October last year was particularly was a particularly weak October. Yeah, but even so, considering what's happened and is still hmm. continuing to happen i still think only was it three thousand two and a half thousand registrations 1.6 percent is not that yeah. bad uh, especially considering that the the welsh firebreak lockdown kicked in on the 23rd of october which meant that there were 25 and a half percent fewer registrations by the end of the month in wales <laughs> also got to see who does <laughs> packing at the end of the month <laughs> mm, yes yes <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it came in the 23rd and that dropped it 25%. Okay, fair enough. Right, come on, t- tell us the breakdown then of, of what did what. So petrol was down 21%, diesel was down 38.4%. Now, interestingly though, before you go too f- much further on the diesel, we need to remember this is f- further down on a figure that was already dropping last year. Severely yes, yes, dropping last year, so... Combine what's been happening in the world with the anti-diesel sentiment. That's a good side point. Whenever we started this, diesel was just below 50% of registrations generally. Nowadays, petrol, as in pure internal combustion, is 49.5%. Diesel is 14.9%. And your BEVs, FEVs, HEVs and MEVs account for 35.7 percent i still don't really agree with mehevs being counted in that though to no. be honest i don't i don't i don't like that they're up 143.9 percent on last year mm-hmm. more bevs fevs hevs and mehevs by a significant portion than than diesels the number of private registrations is about the same the number of business registrations is up a smidge by 4%. Fleet is down to 3%. Fleet still makes up almost 55% of the market share in 2020, in October 2020. Quite a lot of fleet registrations in there. The top 10 best registers. Mm. Let's start off uh, at number 10 is the Audi A3 with 2,523. Now, please don't be expecting a huge any huge jumps 
uh, as we run through this. The numbers are all relatively low. Nine BMW 1 Series, 2,606. That's a new 1 Series, isn't it? Yeah, that's the new mono block one with the sort of very high front bonnet. Mm. Uh, Front wheel drive one. Mm. Eighth is the Ford Focus. Seventh is the Mini. Sixth is the Volvo XC40 with 3,548 registrations. Fifth is the Ford Puma, just ahead, 3,609. Fourth is the Volkswagen Golf. Third is the Ford Fiesta. Second is the Vauxhall Corsa, which leaves at the top, small drum roll, uh, there's there's only just over a hundred between the the Fiesta and Corsa, by the way, and then there is uh, just, just under two hundred between that and the Mercedes Benz A Class. Well done, Mercedes. Yeah, a couple of bits of backup and inform- background information that that we we got on that. It was pointed out that obviously we're saying there's quite a lot of fleet in there, and the A Class is the only car of uh, in its class which has plug-in hybrids available for delivery right now. Yep. Yeah, and um, further to that, that was a 6% business in kind tax. Yeah, benefit kind, yeah. Uh, benefit, sorry, benefit kind. <sighs> sorry, somebody else is chipping No, 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 in, so. you're quite right, you're quite right. So as uh, Simon Harris, uh, thank you very much for your help with all that information, pointed mm-hmm. out, you can see the Mercedes, but uh, as he ends, um, Mercedes-Benz is making hay with that advantage at the moment and you know good luck to them on that because mm-hmm. that was a, that was a surprise yes it was a bit interesting discussion with my my neighbor about a classes the other the other night oh yeah yeah he was just saying that you could kind of see the appeal but he was a bit put off by the amount of renault in them sorry oh, i don't right. sound like i'm dissing the a class but there we go if you ever wonder where the renault megan has gone <laughs> uh yeah uh, 101 more reasons will be lynched by Renault PR. <laughs> the spreadsheet of doom is you've been quite doomy actually this week. Well, I can't help it. Even using over 15%, I'm not, there's not a lot I can do about it. Mm-hmm. I will quickly run through the downs. Um, okay, be very fast. I'm though. going to. Alfa Romeo down 32%. Alpine down 50%. That's just a batch thing. DS down 27.5%. Ford, now this is a bit of a one to pay attention to, down at 22.7%. Do you think there's a supply issue with the Focus? It's unusual for it to be so low. I just don't think so many people are out buying. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm surprised at, at how I really am genuinely surprised and delighted, but I'm genuinely surprised at how close the figures are to last year's, the last mm. couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hyundai, again, this is a bit of a drop, but 26.85% down. Jaguar down again, 25, nearly 25.5%. Land Rover's down 17%. They've had a couple of decent months recently, so that's a, that's a, Bit of a turn down for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maserati, 36%, but that's, again, batch um, and all the rest of it. Mazda, again, this bit of a drop, though, 22.3%. So that was last year uh, 1,992, and now this year uh, 1,548. Mitsubishi down 31%. I'm not mega surprised at that when they basically announced they were leaving the market but then there's rumors someone that's else might be coming in that's not quite what they were that's not quite what they were 
they actually said, but that's what people read it as. Yeah, but there's rumours someone might be coming in to help the importer bring them mm. back or not let them disappear. So yeah. I have fingers crossed on that one. That's what that happens there. Porsche down uh, 23.6%. Seat down 23.7%. Again, that's a that's quite a bit of a chunk. It's just over 1,100 uh, registrations. And the last one to be down 25.5% is other British. <laughs> so, so go on, Alan. Yep. Cheer us up. Take us from the bottom to the top. Okay, Volvo up 52%. Do you think, just just on a quick question, because I was going to ask this in the top 10s, do you think that's the XC40 plugins or or hybrids? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they they do look a cracking little car, Mm -hmm. and they seem seem to have pitched it well. They are quite spicy when it comes to the pricing, though. Yeah. But again, you get it back in the residuals, so the monthly is low. Mm-hmm. Vauxhall up 38.6.06%. Oh, good news for Vauxhall. Yay. Yes. It's felt so long since we've been able to say that. I know. It makes me really happy, that one, it actually. Does. Uh, which is which is a little bit ridiculous, but it does make me happy. I think new Corsa, a lot. That's practically all new Corsa, I think. Yeah. Smart up 112%. Who? To 159. Who? Which, which I wouldn't have bet chain on that. has gone and bought 159 Smarts? Well, they've just launched a new... It's the new Fortu. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mini up 25%, MG up 126%, and Audi up 51.15% after a couple of a couple of really low months for Audi. So mm. I don't know what was happening there. Yeah. So that pretty much sums that up, I think. Yep. So not bad overall. Right. No. Connected with this, though. And we thought this would be a good time to do it because news has been leaking out the last couple of weeks or so. But we've we've mentioned several times about the European CO2 emission, fleet emissions, and the likely fines, probable fines, possible fines for manufacturers. But there is loopholes perhaps a bit too strong but there is the ability within the regulations and rules for manufacturers to share their excess capacity with other manufacturers if they are you know in whatever way they choose to do the deal i.e pay each other that they can take up the slack to avoid the horrific fines when it comes to failing to meet average co2 emissions across or hitting the new target is required for 2020, mm-hmm. 2021. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to just run through quickly who has teamed up with whom to <laughs> to try and avoid crippling extra financial burden in an already awful year because, and I saw this uh, reported today, the EU has completely rejected manufacturers calls to say come on this has been such a horrific year can you just put it off one year and the eu has turned around and gone no (laughs) no and they probably say no because of course the fewer vehicles you sell in a year the less you're going to be fined because it's a per vehicle fine yes for the latest announcement i'm going to probably go from the latest to ones that were the better known but ford has pulled in with volvo who has been spending a long time saying we've got lots of capacity here because we are selling so many hybrids feel free to come and offer us some money so ford has agreed to buy 
the CO2 credits from Volvo. So they're pooling there, which helps Ford out massively because we've got to remember they had to stop their Cougar Fev mm-hmm. because of the issues with the battery. We were talking about this last week on the follow-up. The risks of battery fires because it turns out there was um, contaminants within the whole the, the process and the, the batteries the sales, themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ford have been pushed into that. Volkswagen had recently signed a deal with MG, but I do know that Dice said on the earnings call or the shareholders meeting, virtual meeting, that they still expect to be fined as well because mm-hmm. they have not been able to get as many ID3s out as they had initially hoped if this had been a normal year, etc., etc. Because their sales are not massively down over the year. No, well, let, let's face it. I mean, it's not as if Volkswagen's not used to getting fined. Well, yeah, they could have done without it, though, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, well, so what's another few, mil- few, few hundred million here or there compared to the scale of the rest of the fines over the last five years? <laughs> Quite. Uh, Fiat Chrysler announced a while last year, I think it was, that they were going to be buying credits from Tesla. So if we look at Tesla's profits, we can see where a certain chunk of that is coming from. And has done since the dawn of Tesla. Yep. Renault has said that they have capacity as well in their emissions. Sorry, what I forgot to mention when talking about Tesla and FCA, Honda has gone in with Tesla too because mm-hmm. they desperately need something because they don't have much of a electrified range, although they do, they now have their, their new gorgeous little city car. But how much that's selling, I'm not so sure just yet, how much they've got supply-wise. Mm-hmm. Although I did notice a couple of weeks ago that there was a model in my local Honda garage, which I wasn't expecting for quite oh, a while. Right. It just looks a it looks really nice in in real in real world conditions, which is well. I had hoped to drive one later this month, but unfortunately that's been cancelled because of stuff. Mm. One last one is Toyota and Mazda buddying up as well. Yeah, so I would presume Suzuki's in with Toyota and Mazda. Uh, probably, yeah. As Suzuki already working with Toyota on model. Oh, that's true. Yes. Closely yes, aligned yes, yes. models. So I presume that they would be then going, can we make up the difference? The across and the swace. Yes. I think I've got that right. <laughs> so we thought we'd, we'd take this time. This, this was a good time to try and update everybody where we're looking how much how many fines there will be i still think there's going to be some fines but i think people have managed to or companies have managed to avoid too much damage mm-hmm. next up m6 tall for people who use it i love that road i love that road the uh, it's not really meant to be the m6 test track okay i, I know there's no i don't do that i don't do that, that because so many other people go racing past actually if you yeah. can get nicked i'll just keep going on and yeah, nicely at the proper speed nice thank and, you <laughs> nice and clear for me please so prices on the m6 tall are going to rise by up to 30p a trip from the 4th of december uh, rates for vans and trucks will be held the same uh, if you are a regular user however then they are offering a prepaid flexi pass, which gives a heavily discounted rate for short and local journeys. So if you've got a flexi pass and you travel between, it's between uh, the junctions tall, on the fours, road rather than sixes, yeah, yeah, rather than go from the beginning to the end, <laughs> yeah, go the length of it, then it costs only twenty nine pounds for ten journeys, as opposed to four pounds ninety each in the new daytime rate flexi pass coming in in January. Uh, 2021 
So they'll get a month of fleecing local drivers. <laughs> well, yes, they will. But they're trying to. The reason for that is, did I, did I actually say they're meant to be take? To, they're trying to take people off uh, more congested local roads, like the A5 near 38. Uh, is is the plan there? But yes, so there's junction prices, and there I hadn't realised this. There are two different rates for using the M6 tall. There's the full length price, and there are also junction prices already. Yes. So 4th December, the main line price, which is the whole length is £6.90, but if you go off at any of the junctions, or if you join from any of the junctions, it is only £4.90. I didn't know that. I have learned something. Getting that up to nearly seven quid as a semi-regular user of that road, as in every time I go down there, I will use that road rather than the untold M6. It's now verging on the... I'm prepared to sit in the traffic. That's quite steep for not that long a distance. It's a longer distance than you think it is. No, I know that. I know it is. It really is quite a long distance. There are other ways to bring it down, aren't there? Because you can get the tall pass and stuff and that. Don't use it regular enough. Well, stop moaning then. Or travel at night when it's cheaper. All right. I'll let you explain that too. And the members no, of the I'm household. Not <laughs> Nor am I. <laughs> but yeah, some stuff coming up there. Andrew, next one's yours. Yes, this is from uh, Fleet News that you spotted, which was actually a really interesting article, which is the study that was done by uh, the University of Nottingham in conjunction with the RAC Foundation, looking at how well are drivers equipped for dealing with the more automated technology that's coming into cars. And how they did this is that they had two groups. One group had no real additional training on the technology. And then you had us, the, the other group received um, what is called as behavioral training because they were told about mm. the capabilities of the vehicle and the limitations and what would happen when. But- the, the first group got some training, but they were just given an operating manual to read. So right. So I understand yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, that's that's quite correct. So it, it possibly what we would anticipate a dealer saying then? Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas this, the second group was given very uh, much more specific instructions and education on what the vehicle will do. And they found that the drivers who received the extra training were more and I'm I'm quoting here from the from the article more measured in their behavior and better understood the car's capabilities and limitations now that's really interesting because these were and I this must have been in virtual testing but these were vehicles that were apparently fitted with level 3 automation or technology because none of that is actually on the road and at the moment legally the key findings were they found that they were more likely to notice a potential hazard during the transition from automated to manual driving. Uh, the example they were given, there was a tailgating car. And with the, the, the extra trained group, 90% of the drivers noticed the car, whereas only 24% did in the other group. Also made more measured decisions in lane-changing manoeuvres. Uh, they spent more time preparing before physically making the lane change. Uh, things like they were checking the mirrors in the run-up to and uh, during the lane change. Uh, and they generally check their mirrors more frequently when the car was driving autonomously. One of the key bits for me to stand out, because I, I've 
I've looked into this quite a bit in case anyone hasn't realized. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> but that when it came to the – because level three, there will be a point in which the vehicle says we are handing the driver back control of the car. You need to pay attention. Please take take control, and you are warned before this happens, before the car disengages. Put your Kindle down, everyone. Because technically, what will happen is it it won't. If you're not paying attention, i.e., in control, it won't hand over the vehicle to you. Try the idea is it's supposed to take. It's supposed to stop in a safe manner, in case you've fallen asleep or something like mm. that, or you're unwell. What happened though is they found that the change over for the group that was trained took 7.3 seconds to taking over control to 21 seconds in the other group mm-hmm. and there is a certain german manufacturer that has declared that 20 seconds is suitable for handover it's quite a lot you can go quite quite far you can go a third of a mile in 20 seconds easily even though mm. there's many many studies okay that now that's just to take over control that is not to be compass mentors with everything that is not to be fully mm. up to speed or anything like that because there's lots of studies that show that takes two or three minutes to mm-hmm. from switching from one activity to another to be fully up to speed and in control and no and fully aware of what's going on around you so and this is one of the reasons i get so very stroppy about level threes and think that it should not be one of the levels that's considered but uh, it's interesting to see others are finding out from a different angle that this is the case do go read the article, though, please. It's a really interesting article. It's possibly more interesting than somebody just made it sound. But it, it is interesting. <laughs> and it's quite... If you spent quite a lot of time with cars that have quite... That have good active crews and lane-keeping assist and these kind of things, then actually I do find that I actually make more mirror checks. I find, you know, when I'm in those, those situations uh, and do, you know, prepare... I don't know. I spend quite a lot of time faffing around preparing to make lane changes anyway, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting that behavioral training group and, and just, just the described behaviors. Yep. But it goes to show how important education is on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, as I've apparently just bored you all senseless, we'll let Alan <clears throat> take us to the, uh, the break in the show. Yes, it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron and different levels include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live, you masochists. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Excellent. I like your new written words, Alan, finally. I have. I'm going to go through and take out all the typos next. (laughs) Oh, we don't expect perfection on the first run. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to take us to a little bit of WRC news. And just think of this as a practice lunchtime read. Because it is, once again, still talking about the uh, hybrid regulations for WRC. 
And this time it's an article, or I don't want to say thought piece because that's just rubbish, but it's an opinion that piece. That always just sounds sorry. A thought piece just turns me off. No, yeah, because we sound like as though you're one of these people who are trying to drum up. Is it, is it written by a thought leader? Yeah, and all that stuff. Oof, yes. If you want me to completely ignore you, call yourself a thought leader. Yeah. <laughs> but this is an opinion piece from Colin Clark who on Dirtfish, who we're big fans of. And he's, and he's talking about how initially he was excited about the hybrid rules. But as time has gone on and he's thought about it, he's now becoming more worried. Because as he says, the Hyundai team leader is making a lot of noise and he doesn't normally talk much. So when he does, you pay attention and he's very unhappy. And, mm -hmm. and, and as he quite rightly points out, these rules were made up before, in the before times, and now we are in the distinctly not before times. And WRC is about the only top tier motorsport that has decided to push ahead with regulations agreed before there were issues, before there was going to be seemingly financial problems across the globe as well. And they're saying, well, can we not talk about this again? Can we not look at this again and revisit it because cash is going to be an issue? Because that's what it all boils down to at the end of the day. Nobody's denying that rallying needs to add electrification into it or anything like that, but it's just mm. the costs of this. To the point where Hyundai seem prepared to just walk away. So we're going to go from four manufacturers in the last three years or whatever it is to two. Yeah. And that's not going to be entertaining. It, there, there seems to be an awful lot of foot shooting, yes. or attempted foot shooting going on in WRC right at the minute. You just think, oh, has, has ego got involved now? And it's we don't want, you know. Well, why should we change anything? We in one of these, mm. well, you've known we'll look plenty of weak, etc., etc. But just look out there. Just you know, waves generally at the world. Just look at that and just go. Well, okay, things are not normal. Let's let's revisit this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's all down to the FIA ultimately, isn't it? And wherever people sit in their sort of offices overlooking Place de la Concorde and, and, yeah. and all these kind of things. I mean, I, I really hope that they, they sort this out so Hyundai do remain because mm -hmm. two manufacturers are going to, it's not going to be as much fun to watch from the different. I mean, there's obviously going to be the same levels of skill there to a certain yeah, degree, but, but there'll be less drivers. People. It yeah. means less people. It means lots of stuff. Or so maybe WRC2 gets more promotion that is quite possible that that's where people will move to because we've seen some of the drivers recently that were in the top tier wrc have been are in wrc2 now and they're mm -hmm. they're doing good things and they're sounding positive and you see the the stuff they share on social media maybe that's the way the tv goes and goes well actually we're going to watch the wrc2 because well why not it's just as interesting to be honest there's massive competition okay they're not going quite as fast but it's still just as hard mm -hmm. take us to speed now we're going to go to our speed correspondent well yes because there's no formula e news at the minute um <laughs> i think they're on they're 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 locked down wherever the Germans are, to be honest. Bloodhound, LSR. It seems like so long since we've talked about them since they mothballed earlier in the year. At the and Was it earlier this year? Yeah, mm. it was. Program about them. Channel 4, Saturday at 6 p.m. in the UK. It's out all over the world as well. But there is TV program out. Follow the highs and lows of building the world's fastest car. Uh, so that should be good. Hopefully we'll attract 
some some more and some new sponsors as well, which would be just great. Yep. Uh, and hopefully, being the in whenever, then it can get that they can start bringing it back out of the sort of semi mothball state it is right at the minute. But great that they they're able to do this and they're able to tell us all about it and and show us that there's still a pulse. Yeah. I really want that to still be a pulse. Absolutely. I know absolutely. I saw someone saying, "Well, what's happening with this? Is it still relevant?" And somebody else say, "No, it's not relevant at all these days of world plan speed record." And I, I disagreed. Actually, I, I feel it is actually still quite important because it's important to to be able to to push boundaries and to to keep on developing stuff. Because unless we develop things for batty projects, then we don't get the trickle down effect that that there actually is into the rest of our world. Exactly. And yeah. if we take our eyes off these kind of challenges, then we ultimately lose out. It's not the same people worrying about this that are worrying about trying to find a vaccine or cures or yes, other it's, stuff. It's just because, you know, I think sometimes you look at some of, some of the way stuff is reported, just think, oh, all scientists have decided to become medical scientists. <laughs> no, that's yeah, not the, the case. <laughs> No, and and engineers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's important that we still have targets in the world, even if they don't necessarily have a pure financial reason behind them. It doesn't, you know, it, it does us good in many, many ways as yeah. a as a species. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and on that front they are um they have got a bit of a drive on for uh, sponsors to get involved there is now a business sponsor club i think it's called there will be a link in the show notes so if you know of anyone that uh, would possibly be interested in this uh, or you are yourself do click through the link or share it with others um, because as you say we we back this to the hilt and we would love them to be able to execute on this because we think it's incredibly exciting interesting and more important than that it's just a very important project for, mm. for all of us and we will we will see the benefits for years and years to come totally agree designers mood board yes this is not one yeah. i was not expecting to be honest but uh, we're going to go to jaguar land rover and there's been oh changes lots of changes well, there are because there's new management at the top, obviously. So they're re-shuggling. Yes, well, technical Scott's business term. Uh, uh, yes, yes. I don't think it's quite that though in this one. Well, there's rumours that it might not just be that. But Massimo uh, Francella has been given the title of design director for Land Rover. Um, he was the former creative director there, uh, so that he's moved up. But that means what's happened to Mr. Jerry McGovern? Well, he's been promoted to the role of Chief Creative Officer of JLR. So Julian Thompson, who took over uh, Jaguar, it'd be the, the design director from of Jaguar, Ian Callum, took over yeah. from Ian Callum, he sits at the same level as Massimo, and they both will answer into Jerry McGovern. And in this article on Autocar, which you can click through on the link in the show notes, it's speculated that the chief creative officer is going to be more of an advisory one because the Tata Group have a rule in their companies that when someone turns 65, they have to retire. It's one of their rules. So apparently McGovern turns 65 next year. Oh, well. Yes. It's either that or they are going to try and do a Ferrari and become an apparel company. <laughs> it's one of the two. I know. With knitted I know. swimwear. 
Yes. Land Rover handbags. Yes. By Chanel. Scarves. Yeah. Don't, Silk don't scarves. Go there. Right, take don't take go us there. to a fun and good lunchtime read. Uh, this is a cracker, actually, and this one is by Major Gab. It's by Gavin Braithwaite-Smith. It's on motoring research, and it is the history, a potted history of in-car entertainment from the very first wirelesses right through to to modern systems via, of course, the cassette tape uh, and others in between. I'm I'm currently waiting on uh, one of my latest eBay purchases to arrive. Blank put? No, it's not Blaupunkt in the in the end. I ended up with an Alpine, I hope it works, an Alpine radio cassette recorder uh, and CD changer for the W124. No, I mean, Poe can get his JVC unit back. But yes, and 80s, it's, it's one of the sort of just into having RDS. That's the level I was pitching at was sort of early RDS because if you're pre-RDS, you forget what a pain in the bum the world was <laughs> when you don't have an rds radio and so so yes yeah, so that's uh that's hopefully on its way there's no tracking number for it sadly hopefully on its way and we'll we'll see mm-hmm. end up with one of those bluetooth cassettes but yeah. yeah but well done kevin really enjoyed this article yeah it's an absolute cracker and it, it will keep you going for a good 15 20 minutes so it certainly did for me earlier on yeah. uh, when i was reading through yeah list of the week mr close yes list of the week and it is titled the perfectly useless things you can buy for your car and it's from ronan glon and this is slight departure from last week's one that i think he compiled that we used uh that was the crazy car collection from the, the rainbow shake. shakes yes yeah and the these are things basically that he's decided people should never add on to their car I don't agree with all of them, or in their car as well. I don't agree with all of them. I, I don't think he dis- necessarily disagrees. He's just highlighting the fact that they exist. Um, have you got one that particularly leaps out to you as a, no, no, just don't do that? Uh, there's a couple of obvious ones. I have a real thing about car bras, which are a fantastic way of trapping moisture against the paintwork of your car and any small chips there might be, and making sure that actually it ends up really rusty and it fades to a different colour, a different rate from the rest of the front of your car if you're in a hot, sunny place. And they're just awful. It's like, I bought this car that I like to look of. Now I've stuck some black vinyl over the front of it, notionally to protect it, but really to make it fugly. I always presume they were supposed to be used in very short bursts. Yeah, but people never take them off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, no, it's just, they're just hideous what about you have you got well i think it's one we've covered as an and finally it's the portable espresso machine i think that's a great idea i don't i think it's dreadful i think it's absolutely hideous whilst you're driving no but i just think it's an awful idea full stop you go and pull over and go and buy one (laughs) have you have you bought one in motorway services recently yes it's expensive for a very rubbish i'm fine with only one kid second rate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Quite. I mean, there, there are there are some crackers in here, and there's some ones you'd expect. There's a lot in here which I have purchased myself and have done myself, so I really am not a no. Uh, so yes, I, I there is a limited amount of uh, th- there is a limited amount of laughing at it that I can actually do uh, in many places. Yeah, it's a good list, though. It's, it, mm-hmm. it is a good list. 
<laughs> my, my favorite was the unmarked switch that I had in one car at one point, which I'd, I'd bought it in Feuvert, which is like the French equivalent of Halfords. All right. And it was, uh, it was called an Interrupteur Top, top Gun. And it was it was a little switch. It was just a toggle switch, but it had the little red cover over it. <laughs> we used to tell everyone it was called a nitrous. <laughs> and this, by the way, was not particularly long ago that we did this. Uh, and then, of course, garages that we know and use, they tell the most junior folk, don't the nitrous. At one point, I actually had a little bracket, you know, a little just springy bracket with a with a. a <laughs> A little in-car silver car fire extinguisher with a label peeled off it, upside down. <laughs> just so one of the garages used uh, could could point it and just uh, and tell the juniors to not press the button because it was the nitrous and there was the can of nitrous in the back, this little mini thing in the Yaris. Yeah, I'll grow up one day, but it's going to be a while. My God, how bored must have you been to come up with that? It was no. I bought the switch because the switch looked cool, and I saw it, and it was just there. And it was like two euros, and I already had the fire extinguisher mounted in the back. It was just a case of peeling the thing off and then making it look like there was something that led behind the trim in the boot. <laughs> right, take us to the Anne finally, and remind us, saw some of us of our childhood. And finally, in this case, so the actor and star countless film. TV program, sitcoms, uh, Jeffrey Palmer passed away at the end of last week, sadly. One of the things that he was incredibly well known for was, of course, voicing the, given the voiceover and the commentary on the Audi adverts of the 1980s, particularly the phrase Vorsprung durch Technik, as they say in Germany. And I can't say do his accent at all, so I didn't even try. And just that phrase which some of us still associate with audi in the same way as we associate the ultimate driving machine with bmw because they're from about the same period and i had forgotten how good these adverts were oh they are aren't they i mean we're gonna have in the show notes we're gonna have two links we're gonna have one which is that audi advert for the audi 100 and we're also gonna have the audi quattro as well i didn't remember that one and whoever the heck pitched yeah yeah, we're going to do it and we're going to do it and we're going to follow a glider because of course you can't predict where a glider is going to go yeah so how difficult do you want to make filming your advert (laughs) the budget must have been massive but it's both of them are superb you just forget how good they are just a level of intelligence in television advertising which you don't get so often these or at least i don't feel getting so often these days but maybe just because i'm getting old it was not patronising. It was a little bit light-hearted, hmm. and but it also informative. And to to manage to get all that, because as you say today, adverts today seem to have to smash the message into your face within the first three or four seconds, and then repeat it. Whereas this was is is from a is clearly from a different era of advertising. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's the early days of BBH. Yeah, um, who still exist by the way. Uh, advertising company started out being called Bartle Bogle Hegarty. And then now BBH. And then this, these ads and the fact that two of my uncles had Audis of this era with the reason that I was so fond of Audis, of, particularly of this time. Have you ever owned an Audi? No. 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 Not yet. Me neither. Not yet. Just curious. Just curious. So this time they were fantastic. Um, yeah, the headmaster at my 
prep school had one who which had an had a a 100 cc with the which didn't have the quattro star rims it had the, the smooth wheel trims and stuff but it, it boasted of the the um drag coefficient on the glass yeah yeah it was, yep. that old. Yep. it was it was a plate i think yeah one uncle had one of these um 100 events uh and the mm. other uncle had an audi 80 sport oh right okay, and cool. he was rather handy behind the wheel <laughs> ah. through west country lanes mm-hmm. <laughs> no it's just no no none of my family's ever had it had an audi to be honest no don't know why yeah don't know why anyway that was retrospective, wasn't it? It was. Uh, parish notes this week. Special edition out on Friday, as you may or may not have noticed, but probably have noticed because it involves a car that everybody has been talking about today. Does it? Oh, have I, they? I, I suppose I'd better get on with editing it then. Yes. I've only yes. I've only got three days left. <laughs> yes, I would. Yes, please. <laughs> Will that be enough? Oh, I we all. Be. <laughs> It's not as long as he's making it out to be, but it is quite long. And it is relatively nerdy, but not as nerdy as all the stuff I had to wade through to make it a bit less nerdy. So uh, it's on its way on Friday. Mm -hmm. Nothing else until then, I don't think. Anyhow, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer available at motoringpodcast.com slash support, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. Uh, where you can search for Crack Windscreen, and you'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to ask you the question about the special edition that you won't answer until Friday, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can absolutely uh, ask me the question to which I will not give an answer via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, and no, the answer is not 42. Uh, we'll be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>